morning. I don't even think we get a glimpse. We don't get a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. And like when we really think about it, this whole Christmas season is wrapped up on not only celebrating who Jesus is, but truly understanding and believing that Jesus is coming back. I mean, think about the world right now, how broken, how messed up it is. Like, we need Jesus to come back. Because we may think that we have good things on this earth. The fact of the matter is, what we will experience if we are followers of Jesus has nothing to, to, can't even compare to what eternity is going to look like. And I want us that this Christmas season, that every year that we walk with Jesus, whether you've been walking with Jesus for the last 50 years, whether you've been walking with Jesus for the last 20 years, whether you've been walking with Jesus for the last five years, maybe you're on that verge of a beginning to walk with Him. The walk of Jesus is supposed to get better and better and better. And I really feel like the biggest problem with people in their faith is that it doesn't get better. They get all excited. It's like buying a new car. They get all excited. They, they drive it like, they, like they've never driven a car before. They treat it like they've never driven a car before. But then all of a sudden, it becomes mundane. And Jesus becomes mundane. And that's not who He is. He's not mundane. He never, ever, ever stops wanting to be present in our life. And so, we've been talking about our four Gospel truths. And we've talked about God is great, so I don't have to what? Be in control. Everyone. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. God is glorious, so I don't have to fear others. Okay? God is great. God is glorious, so I don't have to fear others. Today we are going to our third gospel truth, which is God is good. And then everyone's going to say, all the time. All the time. God is good. Remember that? Like back in the 80s when they just kept saying that all service long. You're like, please shut up. Enough with that. Even though it's a really good statement. But here's even better. God is good. So I don't have to look elsewhere for my satisfaction. God is good. So I don't have to look elsewhere for my satisfaction. Let's think about this. Christmas. When we were little, just like us as, as Sue and I have children, we have kids that we say, give us a list. And we have a, we have a dollar amount in our head that they don't know about. So don't tell them that we have a dollar amount, okay? They're not over here. But we have a list that we want to bless and honor our kids for just being awesome. And there's a great thing about that, but there's also this, this fear, this tendency that we're teaching our children the same thing that, that we were taught. We were all taught that. I mean, everyone in this room, for the most part, got Christmas gifts growing up. Maybe a couple of you didn't, but I would say the vast majority of you got almost every single thing that you wanted or at least one major gift that you longed and desired for. And when we were little, we had this, this, this feeling in us, this urgency that if we got that gift we would be completely satisfied. Correct? Think about it. The guitar. The new stereo. Remember back in the day, remember v, uh, VHSs? Like the TV with a VHS in it? Like all these different things that we literally, as little kids, if I got this new Lego set, if I got this new Nintendo or Atari, right now we're really going back. You know, if I really got Intellivision, you remember Intellivision? We got in television when you're like, Woo, 
And it's like this whole thing. But we literally live that if we got this gift, we would have this soul satisfaction that would last us for eternity. And yet we all knew that by next Christmas, that would be put in the closet. We would be done playing with that one video game. That stereo system wasn't loud enough because you went from cassette to CDs and then you go to MP3s. And we don't even really call them MP3 players anymore, do we? But there's this thing, this, this, this longing that we always, always need more. And it's something that is conditioned in us. But here's what we need to really ask. Because I would say that, that a, a huge percentage of you in this room would say, God is good. And I don't have to look elsewhere for my satisfaction. I think there's a group of you in here too trying to figure out, God is good, but can I really not have to look elsewhere for my satisfaction? And then there's a percentage of you that, that say, God is good? I find zero satisfaction in them. And there comes this place, this tension that if we don't understand God's goodness, let me say that again. If we don't understand God's goodness, we will never be satisfied. And we see that in all of our lives. I think that's one of those moments where like, where this whole idea like you're good, you're great, you're glorious. But then remember that big belief and then the small belief. Like, but, but do you satisfy me? Do you really satisfy my soul? Can you actually take away my, my hungers and my longings that, that cause me to chase after things that, that aren't healthy? that don't bring satisfaction completely. And so this is what we're going to do this morning. I'm just going to walk you through exactly what we're going to do. We're going to first talk about God's goodness. And then we're going to talk about, so why do we look elsewhere? And then I want to conclude with seeing how God has come to fulfill and satisfy our deepest longings. Here's what we're going to do is I want you to read on the scripture with me up on the, up on the, what is that called again? Screen. Okay. Look on the screen with me. And here's what I did. This is Genesis chapter one. The problem is in Genesis chapter one, if I would read all 30 verses, we would be here for a long time and then I wouldn't be able to talk about anything. So in between all the major days, I just kind of took them out and pieced them all together because I want, to see, I want to show you a pattern of what happened at creation. That, that every time God created something, there was a statement made about His creation. Read with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was what? Good. Good. We're going to see a pattern here. 
Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the earth, heavens from the waters of the earth. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. And God called the dry ground land and the waters seas and God saw that it was what? Good. See a little pattern? That every time He created something, there was goodness linked to it. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days and years. And God saw that it was what? Good. Isn't it amazing that He created the, the, the sun and the moon to, to mark our calendars, to mark our timing, to mark our, our clocks, that, that what happens up in the sky is more powerful than what's happening on my Timex Iron Man. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds and every, of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Who is the our? The our. Who is the our? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, this is the biggest tension with, with, with either Judaism or even Islam, that, that we believe in a Trinitarian God. God, three in one. We're going to sing that over Christmas, that God is, is three in one. It's something we'll never fully comprehend, but it's truth. He said, so let us create them in our image. Not in my image, not in your image, but in our image, meaning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And here's where it's all wrapped up. Then God looked over all He had made and He saw that it was what? Very good. Very good. Everything that God has created is amazing. It is good. When we use words like awesome and amazing, and remember the word rad? Remember that word rad? Rad, all you skater, surfer guys out there, rad. These words are just definitions of the fullness of what good means. Complete. Fulfilled. Full. It's almost like being at a Thanksgiving meal and, and you eat and you're so full that you just either want to fall asleep or vomit. And you're like, that was good. Was it really? You're in a place of like a comatose because of your turkey. But this, this word good is, is full. It's satisfying. It's something that takes away a longing and an emptiness. And when you see that throughout the progression of God's creation, that every time He created something, there was a space that He filled it with. That when He created the heavens and the earth and there was darkness, it wasn't enough. So what did He create? He created light. He created the moon. That even the moon, all the moon is, is it's a dead rock. 
That even at night while we're rotating that, that he knew the, the power of who he was. He was going to say, I'm even going to create something of life out of death and the moon is going to reflect my glory in the sun. And then he creates the, the earth and he sees that it's filled with water. And, and why didn't he just make us all like aqua men and aqua women? He didn't. He saw that it was filled with water and he said, no, let's make land. And he pushed the waters away and the land came up. And every time he created space, he fulfilled that space that needed something else. And then he created the, the land. And he created the animals. And he created all these things. And he said, but there's one thing missing. My image bearers. Those who would reflect me. You see, you see animals reflect a Creator. A cre- reflect the Creator making creation, but we reflect the Creator. We are created in His image. We have personalities. We have a mind. We have a will. We have emotions. All the things that we think that God does, does not have. He created us like Him. And He created all these things right from the beginning that, that space was filled with life. Space was filled with something that produced something else. And even when He created humanity, He created man is in His image. And He said, this is not good enough. Let's create my woman. And He created a woman to be the perfect, the perfect helpmate. The perfect helpmate. He created a woman for the man. And our world can distort this all they want. They can try to confuse us. They can try to say, well, look at all these failed relationships. It's not always good that man be with the woman. Or a woman to be with the man. Ooh, you're pushing some hard buttons, aren't you, Mr. Parker? I thought I was your pastor. Just called me Mr. Parker. But it's the truth. God created perfectly. Perfectly that, that there are things that I can only be, be met from my female companion and vice versa because that was God's perfect order and when he did this he said this is very good in other words this is great this is awesome this is perfect and then what's interesting is is that God created us with with two different needs he created us with, with physical needs. You're thinking that like when God created and everything was running around, that, that animals didn't eat animals, right? Isn't this kind of like this whole like vegetarian like fight and battle, like all the vegans? And, and there's nothing wrong with being a vegetarian. I've tried it before. It didn't last long. I wish I could, but my body just needs meat. That's me. I one time did a 40-day, I just was on fruits and vegetables, and I did some grains. And I remember the last day, I was crawled up in a ball crying I'm like, I'm a grown man and all I want is a hamburger. It was great, but I can't do it. Some people can. But He created the earth and the animals to live off of one another. Not that we separate them and make one better than the other. Not at all. He created everything with the perfect order that that we need food. That we need water. I mean, Adam and Eve had to eat. Adam and Eve had to drink. He created man with purpose that that it's not good for you to be on vacation for the next 30 years of your life. He didn't. 
He says, I'm going to make work pleasurable for you. And it's going to be good. You see, there's nothing greater than when you find fulfillment in your career. Because that's what God desired for us. It's part of what it is. It became a curse when, when sin came. But all of a sudden, there's these needs. He created us that we need sleep. That we need rest. That we need a vacation. We need to take a time out. He created this because He even did it on day 7. He, t- he took a rest from what He's done. And there's this physical needs that we have and to say that we don't need them. He created us for intimacy. He created us to need that. He created us for emotional longing. I love when someone becomes a Christian like, especially a guy always says this. This is such a Christian, young Christian guy. I'm going to pray that God takes away all my desires so I'll never struggle again. I'm like, that's the dumbest prayer I've ever heard. Why don't you pray for an awesome godly woman who will live this life with you and satisfy all your needs? Like, He created us this way. That's how He created us. Just because the world is tainted and made things bad doesn't mean that everything that He made is awesome. Awesome. He made us need these things. Thirst and hunger and intimacy and rest and sleep and fun and food and all these things. But He also created us with with a spiritual need. That we long for this Creator. I mean, think about it. How often that, that, that we've always said, God, if you're there. God, if you're up there. There's something in us that we're always chasing after something to fulfill this, this inner soul desire. As much as I love my wife, as much as I love being with her, and we're one of those like, weird couples that can spend 24 hours a day together and really enjoy one another. I mean, we'll get on each other's nerves, right? A little bit. Sometimes. A lot. Um, more me to her than her to me. Um, but at the same time, there's this longing that God... I just feel empty. There's a spiritual need that God created in us that we are supposed to have a relationship with our Creator. We're supposed to. We have to. That there's something in us. And and when we don't have that relationship with God, we run to other things. We think that we're running to other things because of this fulfillment that's not being met in our spouse. I mean, how many times like, for married couples do we blame our spouse or do we blame that we don't have a spouse or we blame other people because the satisfaction that is not being longed for just keeps coming and coming and coming when all along God is saying, it's me, it's me, it's me. So let's see the fall. God is good enough. So why do we not find satisfaction? I mean, that's such a fair question. I've struggled with it. I've struggled with it as as a Christian. There are times that I'll just, my, my, my biggest temptation in life is when I'm having a hard day and things are, and this is where my temptations have really changed because back in the day they were a lot different than this. So you're gonna be like, that's not a big deal. Back in the day they were really bad deals, but we're not gonna talk about them. My biggest thing is when I'm really struggling I want to go buy a new motorcycle. I'm not satisfied with my 1986 Radian 600 that looks like a moped. Not that that's bad. But I'll go places that I will go for a quick little fix. 
that I'll go to somewhere and I'll just kind of be like, oh, I'm having a hard day, I'm having a rough day, things aren't good, I just, I just need to go to the Triumph dealer. And I'll go to the Triumph dealer and be like, oh, it's Rob again, don't talk to him, he's not buying anything. Okay, see that guy? Don't waste your time. And I'll sit on the Bonneville. <laughs> I'll sit on the Thruxton. Ooh. I'll sit on the Tiger 800 XC and I'll go all the way up to the Tiger 1500 that I could tour the world with. Now back in the day, I used to run to other things. Things that would be worse. Things that were unhealthy. Things that were perverse. Things that were wrong. And you're saying, well, that's the lesser of the two evils, right? The bottom line is, is that my desire to fill this void with, with a Thruxton 900, 2015, 16, or something else is no different because what I'm doing is I'm running to something that when God is saying that learning, that yearning, that longing, that pressure in your soul is actually me saying, Rob, I created you to cry out to me. You see, this is a huge improvement because I had a drug issue. And I had a drug of choice. That I would go and I would hit it. And I would just put myself in another atmosphere. And so, yes, does it seem like the worst of two evils. But when I really step back, I see, no, it's not. When I was 20-something, that yearning and that longing just has manifested differently than today. Where is this from? Genesis. It all began in the beginning. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of these trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. Doesn't that sound messed up? That God created everything, but He's like, you can do anything in the world, but don't touch that one. Right? I mean, think about it. And it's funny that I've used this verse twice in the last four weeks. Because this is the heart issue. If we don't understand this, then none of it makes sense. It's only the, tree from the, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced that the serpent was right. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. Change that word out. And the fruit looked satisfying. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. We'll never understand this. This is the crux. God created the whole universe. And He created us with something called a free will. And we will never fully fathom why did God say, Adam, to it, go to it, eat it, plant it, make it, do whatever you want, just not this one. It seems kind of evil, doesn't it? 
It actually showed the holiness and goodness of God. Because God was showing humanity that everything on this earth is theirs, but this one thing will never satisfy them. And how true that is, this is totally like a moment where I'm just having like in my heart, I'm going ding, 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 because I'm just trying, I'm just fully getting this, this second. Like, think about that. God said like, you can have everything, but there's going to be something that you think's going to satisfy you more than anything. But it won't. Adam, Eve, you, you have everything that I provided for you. That one thing that you are lured to, that one temptation, that one thing that just keeps kind of flashing before you for that teenage guy or that teenage girl, that, that one guy walking down the hallway or that one girl that walks down the hallway that, that when they walk by, she lights up like no others. It's like that 1980s movies when the, the cheesy music comes on. It's like, remember all those Ferris Bueller's Day Off type movies? That we really think that. And but for some reason, there's so many things that don't tempt us. Well, I'm not tempted with that. 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 But there's that one thing in all of us that we say can satisfy us more than God. And really what God was showing humanity in that moment is that you may think that will satisfy you, but I've told you, I've warned you, I've prepared you that, that if you eat of that, your longing is only going to become more. Because what did they do when they ate? They ate and they ran and they hid and they started doing things that they were never supposed to do. And it's true with us that when we start feeding our monsters, the things that we think will satisfy us, we get out of control and we get to a place and we say, who am I? What have I done? And the reality is this is true for all of us. Let me just go through some different things. Relationships. Some of you just believe that relationships will satisfy you. Finances. You think that if you can have this portfolio that, that you're going to be okay. But I'm telling you, everyone that I know that thinks they're okay never has enough. Or it becomes like the ring from, uh, from the Lord of the Rings and it's like... And you start looking crazy. Like it just gets crazy. But it's true. That's what happens. Are things we start hoarding and hiding and protecting and, and getting defensive over. Material possessions. Hobbies. What about, what about those guys that, that, I need my golf. I need my golf. I don't get it. I'm not a golfer. Like, I'll go shoot skeet. I like doing that stuff, but I need my golf. Like, there's things that, like, I look at guys, I'm like, golf, that's like the most boringest game in the world. By the 10th one, I'm throwing my things. I have too much ADD. I'm driving the carts on the grass. And I'm getting kicked off at the age of 42. We all have our things, our vices. Food. I mean, how many of us, when we're having a rough day, like, I, I just need a Klondike, right? Someone knows I got issues. I just need a Klondike. Last night I go, Lukey, Lukey, go get me a Klondike from Grandma's house. <laughs> Drink. Drinking. Drugs. Alcohol. Sex. I'm telling you this. Total transparency. God created sex to be great and awesome. But when sex is used for ways to find complete satisfaction... It's unhealthy and it ruins your lives. 
But when you take sex in the way that it was God created it in the marriage to satisfy one another, it is awesome. It is good. It is fulfilling. And it's meant to be that way. We don't like talking about how Pastor Rob's been talking. Someone came up to me a few weeks ago and said, it seems like you're bringing up sex a lot. What's going on in your life? <laughs> it's because God created it to be awesome. Not to be bad. True confessions, I mean, I hate saying this. I've ran to all that junk as a young boy. And for years it ruined me. It did more damage to me than drugs did. And then I came to a place where I said, Jesus, you've got to be my satisfier. You need to give me a woman who's going to steal my heart and my eyes. And I kid you not, he gave me Sue. I've never dealt with that junk again. Never. Are there temptations? There's always temptations. But have I ever sinned against my wife? Never. Never. These are real things that we're wrestling with and, and maybe you don't like me talking about them, but these are realities. I've got a tear in my eye. What's the other one? Exercise. Exercise. We believe that if we have this perfect body and this perfect shape and all this stuff that, that, that my life's going to be complete. I'll get a job as long as I'm in shape. Right? That everything's going to be perfect. I'll find the... And all of these things, each one of, us, each one of these things that, that you have a hook to, one of these things I brought up has a hook to. That you just keep running and feeding that monster. Like, if I just do it one more time, I'm okay. If I do it one more time, I'm okay. If I make this trade, I'm okay. If I buy this thing, I'm okay. If I don't give and I keep to myself, then God will keep providing. And, and when He provides more, then I'll give. No, this becomes a monster of dissatisfaction. I need to wrap this up in a minute. Here's the problem. We truly begin to believe that God is not good enough. Christians, for, for if you guys aren't claiming to be Christians, if you're here saying, you know what, I'm not there yet, then I'm totally letting you off the hook. Please, please don't hear me. This is to, to those who are saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. Does your life, does your family, does your marriage, does the way that you live on the weekends, does the way that you live in your quiet time, the way that you, that you just spend your life, does it say that, God, you are good enough? And you know what? Let me be honest. There's a, there's a part of us that all of us will say no. There's a part of my life that says that God's not good enough. Because God wants to keep filling us Constantly. But some of you are so off on the other side that your life looks no different than your neighbor, the guy next to you in the office, the girl next to you, the, the, the co-worker that, that you're thinking like, I'm supposed to have the joy of the world and yet my life is joyless. I want to read you something. First, there is a pleasure truth. The truth is, everything I said will satisfy you. Momentarily. Everything. Everything I just said to you, and I love when pastors lie, they'll never satisfy. Bull. Everything I said will bring a satisfaction. Momentary. Remember that momentary lapse of reason? All you Pink Floyd fans out there? 
momentary lapse of reason. We all have that momentary lapse of reason that if I just fill this, as simple from a drug to a Klondike, if I just fill this, I can get over the hump and start again. Let me read you something. Every longing in us is a version of our longing for God. That longing may be a distorted version of our longing for God. But it's still a longing for the God we were made to know. Bam! How awesome is that? Every longing is a longing. It's a version of this longing in us that we desire from God. The God we long to know. You see, here's the problem with sin. I could name all these things and you'd be like, oh, those are worse sins than the other. That's like a bad sin. That's like on a scale of one to five. That's a five sin. That's a three sin. That's a two sin. That's a four sin. That's a one sin. The bottom line is this. In the eyes of God, sin is sin. Sin is putting anything above Him. That's how simple it is. Going to the Mawa Bar and Grill and having a beer with dinner is not a sin. And I grew up that way. If you drink it, it's devil juice. Meanwhile, I find out 20 years later my parents drank all the time. But I'm not mad. <laughs> I just totally threw them under the bus, didn't I? Don't tell them. Do you understand? Mom, don't watch this. But going to the Mawa Bar and Grill and getting trashed is saying, God, in that moment, you don't fill me. You don't fill me. This is filling me. This, this cup is filling me. That's the sin. It's not the thing that's in the cup. It's what that, what that produces. It causes me to run to other things than, than running and turning to God. Every time we grasp for a momentary satisfaction, we need to ask these questions. What is that object satisfying in me? What is that object satisfying in me? And second, what are we saying about God in that moment? What are we saying about God in that moment when, when we run to that vice, that thing that, that we think will be satisfying? We're saying that, God, you're not good. God created, created us with hunger so He can satisfy me. As a deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When, I, when can I go and stand before Him? Psalm 42, 1-2. God created us with a need for only Him. He is the Creator and we are His creation. He created us for that need. He created each one of us for that need. That whenever, I don't care who it is, that, that no matter what it is, that person has gone through, He has created them with a need to be fulfilled through Him and Him only. And Him only is not the gods of God. It is God who sent His Son, Jesus, to give us life. God created us with a need to worship. You ever been in this place where you just take your eyes off of Jesus? You're reading your Word, you're praying, or you're here and, and you're singing and all of a sudden you, you forgot about your week that, that the worship was taking off you and put on Him and, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm okay with tomorrow. I'm okay with the conversation I have to have tomorrow. 
I'm okay stepping into my boss's office tomorrow. I'm okay paying my bills tomorrow. I'm okay looking at the temptations that are going to be thrown at me tomorrow. Because in that moment, we are doing what God has created us to do, which is worship. We say we start at 10 a.m. This is not a rebuke. This is just a reality. 10 a.m. is our opportunity to worship. And we say we're going to do breakfast at 9.40. And the problem is, well, we, if we started worship at 10.15, what time would people come if we started at 10.15? What time would they come? 10.30, we've tried it. It doesn't work. Trust us. Okay? But we say 10 o'clock, we are here to say, God, this one space corporately, we are going to worship you. We are going to learn to be a worshiping community. I think one of the holiest things you could do this coming year would make that 10 o'clock time a priority. Because maybe during that 10 o'clock, 10 to 10 to 1020-ish, you will learn in the crisis of your moment to say, I need to just worship Him. I need to sing. I need to praise Him. I need to close my eyes. I need to lift my hands. I lift my hands not because that's how I grew up. I lift my hands saying, I need you. This is my, I want you. This is my, I need you. So when you see me with my arms lifted, it's like, I want you. You're awesome. You're rocking it. I'm here. I'm present. When I'm like this, it's like, God, in this moment, I need you. You see me grab my chest, there's some issues going on in my heart. If I'm on the knees, that's when you need to start praying for me. But lastly, what might seem to be the most selfish God in the world creating people to worship Him is actually a reflection of the most selfless God in the world. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, He put restoration in order. The moment that humanity chose to sin against God, believe that this one thing could satisfy them, God said, I love you more than you love me. I long for you more than you long for me. I want you more than you want me. Do you realize that? That God longs and wants you more than you could ever long or want Him. And so what He did was He sent His Son, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Remember, He created us and He said in our image, He sent Himself as the most vulnerable person in the world, a baby, It made Him go through every single thing that we go through to not give in to temptation and to be the fulfillment to reveal that Jesus is our satisfier. Three verses and I'm done. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, these are all different examples of when Jesus was talking to people that were, were hungry or thirsty. And God saying, Jesus was saying, you're, not, you're missing it. It's not about your physical need that you're really longing for. It's your spiritual need. And lastly, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will never die, even after dying. Jesus said this, to the woman when her brother had passed away and he raised, her from the, raised him from the dead and said, you may think this, but this is the truth. 
that I have come not just to give them an eternity hopefully, but to give them an eternity permanently. I am the resurrection. I am the life. This Christmas season is a celebration that God is good. And we don't have to look elsewhere for our satisfaction. We don't have to look elsewhere for our satisfaction. And you will wrestle with this your whole life until you come to a moment and say, God, I'm going to believe that if you created this world to provide for all my needs, I will learn to start trusting that and I will let you provide all my needs. And not just for me, but for my family. Don't think your children are going to start a godly legacy. They're not going to if you don't. Do you hear me? Don't ever put pressure on your children to know Christ and make Him known. To be faithful to the, to the Christian community. To love their neighbors as themselves. Don't put all this pressure on your children that you are unwilling to do yourself. Because our kids are only a reflection of who we are and our beliefs. And there will be times that our kids wander away. I was that kid that wandered so far away that I was off the deep end. I thought Daniel killed Goliath. That's how far I was off. I didn't even remember anyone in the Bible's names. But I just remember that when I came back to Christ, that I looked at my parents, looked at my father specifically, and said, if I can be half the man that is, I'm going to be really successful. Because Jesus is His reason reason for living. God is good. You don't have to look elsewhere. Amen? Anyone need this this morning? Anyone freaking out on Amazon.com last night? This is this moment that God is saying, I'm present. I'm present. If you would say, Rob, what's going on in your spirit right now? I feel like God's saying confession. Confession. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to communion. And I want you to come forward. And I want you to take it. And I'm not going to be up here. This is only the second time that we've never served you communion. And I want you to verbally say out loud that which you have been finding satisfaction in. I want you to take it and say, Jesus, I confess. I find my satisfaction in Success. Jesus, I confess, I find my satisfaction in finances. Jesus, I confess, I find my satisfaction in intimacy. This should be a moment of confession because when we confess, healing comes into the room. Amen? Spoken like a good CMA guy, right Bruce? Confession brings healing. Confession brings healing. Would you stand with me? Josh, would you come forward?
Jesus, I confess that I find my value too often in others. And God, I pray that this morning would not only be a time of confession, but a time of healing. So just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Please. There are moments in Scripture, in in the temple, that God did amazing things. He brought healing and He brought life. We are in a temple moment. But there is someone or some ones that need to just find that God is good. And trust this moment that God is going to bring healing and satisfaction in your soul. In this moment. In this time. I invite all who want healing all who want to find satisfaction in Jesus to come, confess, and eat together. Come, and let's follow the way of Jesus.